Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris Bell, and I am delighted that you are all uh, here to uh, join me in talking about some of the things that I think uh, are most misunderstood about the Americans with Disabilities Act. And you can certainly ask me any question you want. Um, and I look forward to doing that. But I do want to uh, say a few things up front before we take questions. First of all, I am, uh, I'm not practicing law tonight. So if you have a question that requires a sophisticated legal answer, you're not going to get it from me because uh, all this stuff is really fact-bound. So we'd have to spend an hour talking, and uh, there wouldn't be any room for anybody else in the conversation. So uh, I'll give you my best take on things, but uh, I'm not going to give you legal advice. So having said that, um, I think there's a, there's a basic misunderstanding of the ADA, and it partly comes down to it being an equal opportunity law. And... What happens, I think, is that people with disabilities, like ourselves, who have, you know, real specific needs, <clears throat> think of the word opportunity, and we don't really, we don't really give it much weight. We kind of more think about equal results, or, or perhaps getting what we need uh, from a business, um, unless the business can show it's unduly burdensome or expensive, or otherwise would fundamentally change it. And that's not really what the ADA says. Um, for one thing, it has a specific section that says you don't get personal use items like uh, hearing aids or glasses from uh, your employer or your public accommodation. And you don't get personal services. And they're specifically here referencing in the regulation to uh, t toileting and uh, that kind of thing. But it's... Uh, it's not just limited to that. So let's take grocery stores. Um, I think many people believe that if they go into a grocery store to go shopping, that they're entitled to have somebody who works in the store to help them get around and find the items they need and uh, get them into their cart. But that's not true. And the reason it's not true uh, in addition to the language I just told you about, about no personal services, is because it's not the opportunity that the grocery store is offering. And if it was the opportunity the grocery store was offering, then any you know, non-disabled person could come in with their shopping list and say, hey, come on over here. I'm, I'll give you half the list. I'll take half the least list, and you can help me you know, load my groceries up to the cart. But that's not what happens. So um, because that's not the opportunity that a grocery store offers, it's not the opportunity that the ADA entitles somebody to. And it wouldn't matter uh, whether you called a day in advance to tell them you were coming and needed help. It wouldn't matter if you were the only shopper in the store and there were a whole bunch of employees hanging around who, who could have helped you. That's not the point. You're not entitled to personal use services under the ADA. Um, now, another way that people get confused about this is that sometimes uh, businesses or even governments can go beyond what the ADA requires. Uh, when Joe and I were living in Roseville, Minnesota, we had a cub grocery store that we went to regularly, and they would have their uh, teenage folks who were taking carts into the store from the parking lot and they'd get one of those folks to take us around. Well, that was great, but it's not something the ADA required. They just did it because they wanted to be nice. So um, another example of where people get confused about needs and, and what the ADA requires, I find, is with um, um, paratransit. Um, many times I've heard people say that their paratransit system is inadequate because it stops at, let's say, uh, 7 o'clock at night, and, or it doesn't run on the weekends. And obviously, that's, that's not very effective transportation. But the times that the paratransit operates is controlled by the times of the fixed route bus system operates. So if the fixed route bus system 
stops at 7 p.m. Paratransit can stop at 7 p.m., although it's a little more complicated because if, if somebody needs to get picked up and it's after 7 p.m., that, that can get arranged. You're not, it's not necessarily strictly stopping at 7, but I don't want to get into the weeds. But the point is that um, it's whatever the bus system uh, schedule uh, is that controls the availability of paratransit services. It has nothing to do with what people meet, need or, or might prefer. Again, uh, communities can offer greater services than that. In the county in which Joe and I live in North Carolina, Chatham County, we don't have any bus services at all, but they do have door-to-door uh, -door, uh, bus transportation for people. And you don't have to be disabled, you don't have to be elderly, you don't have to be anybody, you just live in the county. And it's a subsidized system. Okay, but that's not something the ADA requires, it's just, but it's a, it's a heck of a good service. Then you have situations, for example, where, uh, let's say, you have to check yourself into the hospital and you have a guide dog. And you go into the hospital and you use your guide dog to maneuver through and ultimately you get to your uh, place where you're going to sleep in the hospital and you realize, oh my gosh, Somebody's got to take the guide dog out. I can't do it. I'm lying in this bed. I got tubes in my arm or whatever. Well, um, that's not something the hospital is required to help you with. Why? Because it's not the opportunity that the hospital provides, right? They don't run doggy daycare. So uh, that would be a personal service that the hospital isn't required to give a patient, even though, to be sure, if you have a guide dog in, in your hospital room, Somehow that guide dog needs to get relieved and fed. And so what the regulations say is the hospital has to allow a family member or a friend to come and do that. But the hospital doesn't have to provide you with somebody to do it. Um, I suppose there could be situations where a volunteer or, or a, a nurse who's particularly fond of uh, dogs, let's say, is going off shift and offers to take your dog out. Well, that's fine. Again, that's something that is being done voluntarily, but it's not uh, an ADA requirement. Um, another area that I think confuses people, and actually it confused me uh, when I was working on the Equal uh, Employment Opportunity Commission regulations, is the meaning of reasonable accommodation. And in the Department of Justice, public entity and public accommodation regulations, they talk about reasonable modifications of policies and procedures. And at EEOC, we tried to interpret reasonable to mean effective. Um, but when the Supreme Court got a hold of it, they said, no, no, that's not what reasonable. <coughs> reasonable, look it up in the dictionary, means something that's uh, reasonable in the natural course of things. It's not extraordinary. So my point here is, that a lot of people think that uh, if you ask for a reasonable accommodation in employment or a reasonable modification <clears throat> by a government or public accommodation, their only limitation, their only defense is undue burden or fundamental alteration. But that's not true. What you ask for has to, on its face, be reasonable. And the court will say, that's your burden to show what you're asking for is reasonable. And you never get to the defense of undue burden or undue hardship if it's not reasonable. So reasonable is itself a limitation on the obligation. Um, all right, I think I've talked enough. Um, Ray, you want to uh, tell people about how they can raise their hands and we can I, start taking some questions. Abs absolutely, uh, Chris. So if anyone would like to raise their hand, if you're on a PC, you use Alt-Y. If you're on the Mac, it's Option-Y. If you're on the um, app, it's Raise Hand button on the uh, main screen since we're in webinar. Um, and if you're on the telephone, it's Star 9. And once, uh, once you raise your hand, I will find you and allow you to talk. And when I do that, you're going to get a message uh, if you're on the computer uh, or on the, uh, the app asking you to unmute, and you just unmute, and then you can talk. If you're on the telephone, I believe it unmutes you. So, so your first person, Chris, is Kathy, Kathy Lyons. You're allowed to talk. Hey, Kathy. There she is. Okay. Um, I'm wondering about um, audio description. There's some of it that um, on television, 
But if you look at the percentage, it isn't very high. And I, I, but I don't know what the percentage is. And so could you talk about that, Chris? Well, I can talk about it in the sense that it's not an ADA issue. Um, it's covered by the 21st century video, uh, and I don't remember the rest of the name of the law, <laughs> but it's uh, set by the uh, Federal Communications Commission and that, uh, that later law. The ADA uh, doesn't cover um, devices uh, of any kind. It's the same thing goes with uh, like exercise equipment. It doesn't have to be accessible. The ADA doesn't apply to uh, devices like that. So, uh, yes, there's a standard for it, but it's not in the ADA. Sorry, you know what? I got dropped. Let me. Better not do. Am I still on? You're, you're, you're there. I'm here. Okay, I got. We've got an. We got another one. We got another hand for you, Chris. It's uh, Sheila Gund Cushman. Uh, allowed to talk. You are allowed to talk. Hi, Sheila. Okay, I'm hitting the button and I got you. Okay, Sheila, you can unmute. There she yes, is. I can. There yeah. you are. Um, it took me, I was waiting for the pop goes the weasel. Um, <laughs> so, my question is about programmatic access. Um, for example, I'm dealing with Dell, and they have these printed little stickers on the bottoms of their computers, and you're supposed to, by osmosis, be able to read them, to give them order numbers, customer numbers, blah, 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 blah. And they have a part of their IVR system that can, with your phone number, they just get it off the caller ID, you don't even type it in, find your order. However... The customer service people and the tech support people say they can't do it without a number. And I, I want to see this be better. But in a wider uh, circle of things, what I would like to say is that I don't think that uh, programmatic access is given its fair play. Um, there are a lot of things that should have been made accessible 30 years ago under that portion of the law, and they aren't. What are your thoughts? Sure. Um, actually, program access is a legal term of art, and it doesn't apply to private businesses. It applies to uh, governmental bodies, um, and it refers to situations. It's really essentially trying to save uh, government's money. So, for example, if uh, <clears throat> you're at a public school, whatever level it is, and uh, the class that you're supposed to take is up a flight of stairs and you use a wheelchair, well, um, you know, they're not going to make the building accessible or put in an elevator in time, but they can reschedule the class to an accessible location. So that's not providing full accessibility in terms of making the structural changes or providing an elevator that that person needs but it is providing program access, and, and that's what it means. In terms of the kinds of things you're talking about with Dell, in terms of um, the goods or services that uh, their computers that they offer, um, again, that, that wouldn't be covered um, by uh, either um, a provision of auxiliary aids or services. Uh, yes, you can get a, a qualified reader, um, but not for personal use. Um, that's what the regulation says. So if you're talking about your own computer, um, that wouldn't be something that the ADA would require. Now, if this were at your place of work um, and, and you had a reader, certainly your, your reader could, could help you out with it. Um, but uh, otherwise, that's not required by the ADA. All right. <clears throat> Thank you. We have, we have M. Mark Tardif. You are allowed to talk. Hello, everyone. This is Mark. Hey, Mark. A um, couple of things. Um, I, uh, when the ADA, well, actually, just before it really went into effect, I was reading it. A lot of the um, regulations um, regarding employment, because I was a pre-vocational mm -hmm. counselor, um, and um, and um, it does seem like the regs are might be very easy to get around. Um, you know, by an employer who. Now, just doesn't want to hire a blind person and decides 
arbitrarily that any modifications would be unreasonable and doesn't necessarily have to tell you that. Um, I think that um, discriminatory treatment would, I would assume it's very hard to prove in that situation. And I also wonder if, I know we like to think that the Supreme Court is supposed to be impartial, but, um, you know, um, as we have more conservative judges, if maybe um, that could, there could be political influence that perhaps was never intended. I'd like you to uh, address those issues. Thank you. Sure. Um, okay. Well, that's a good question. Um, I was on a program with, uh, with Paul Edwards a couple of weeks ago and, uh, we talked about how uh, hiring claims uh, are a very, very small percentage of overall ADA claims within EEOC because people, and really to your point, uh, you apply for a job, you don't know why you didn't get it. Um, and certainly an employer uh, can say, uh, gee, I interviewed a lot of people and then you weren't the best qualified. And unless... You can show that that's not true, um, and this could come up in the context of hiring somebody for for a job that doesn't require any prior experience and this training on the job. Um, but absent that, it's hard to prove that you didn't get a job because the employer didn't want to make um, an accommodation. Um, I think that uh, you know what I've always done. As, a, as an applicant for employment, is I've always said to an employer, um, you know, I, I can do your job, and here's what I need to do it. And I lay out uh, specifically the types of accommodation that I believe I would need. So I, I put accommodation on the table as part of the interview. And if I were making a hiring claim, um, I would... Uh, I would uh, indicate that I had done that. So it wasn't like the employer didn't know that I was making an accommodation claim. And I might follow up in writing and that kind of thing. But it's still going to be hard to prove. And as far as the Supreme Court goes, um, you know, uh, what can I say? I'm not sure that the justices have always been uh, or have ever been completely non-political. Um, they have come out with some uh, very good ADA decisions. Uh, and they've come out with some not so good idea decisions. Uh, I was surprised when they said that the uh, the uh, PBA, uh, the Professional Golfing Association, had to let Casey, uh, I forget his last name, be able Martin. to ride a uh, a cart in the, in a tournament. Uh, they said that was a reasonable modification of uh, the PBA's rules. So you know that was a good decision. It wasn't one I was expecting from them. But you just you just can't tell and you can't control it. Next person. You've got LJ. You're allowed to talk. And you need to unmute yourself, LJ. There I go. There you are. <laughs> Chris, I thought your introductory remarks were enlightening. Some of them I knew, but uh, I thought they were worth... Um, most interesting to me was like a personal shopper. Uh, Walmart does that. And they came up to me one day when I was with someone, said, you know, you're entitled to that. So uh, I guess they meant just as far as the store. Um, but my question uh, has to do with web accessibility at certain mm -hmm. websites. Is that covered under the communication portion of the ADA? Well, that that is being hotly litigated, um, uh -huh. and there are some courts that have, have said it's required. And here I'm really talking about uh, public accommodations. Um, and some courts have said it's required if the business has a brick-and-mortar store, but they also sell uh, on a website. And some courts say it's not required. I think most of the case law says in, there are some circumstances in which it would be required, but it's uh, the Supreme Court uh, decided not to take a case out in the Ninth Circuit, uh, Robles versus Domino's Pizza, which the Ninth Circuit required Domino's having a brick-and-mortar establishment to make their, accessible, their website accessible so a blind person could order 
uh, on the web, and the Supreme Court refused to take that case. So um, people look to that case to say, hey, you know, um, I certainly think one could use that case uh, for nation, any nationwide uh, store that had uh, inaccessibility that also had facilities in the Ninth Circuit. Um, now, if you're talking about government websites, I think that's a totally different thing. And I think um, it would be very difficult for a state to argue that uh, its website was not a uh, program or activity or service operated by the state. Um, I think the, the, the governments would have to make their website accessible. The more important part of it is not just the accessibility of the site itself, but the accessibility of what is posted on the site. So very often, even in government websites, you'll see that they post a, a notice or a, <clears throat> a rule or something, and it, the posting is actually just the photograph. Um, you know, it's a, a GIF file or JPEG file, and you can't read it. So I think if we talk about accessibility of, of websites, we also have to talk about the specific content of the websites, not just accessing the website. Donna Browning, you're allowed to talk. Okay, uh, two things. Um, Who's this? The thing with uh, the thing with Kaiser. This is Donna Browning, Chris. Oh, hi, Donna. Hi. The thing with Kaiser, they have it where when you got to get like blood drawn, you have to take this number. Okay. And when the number comes up, it makes this ding noise, but it doesn't say the number. Is really? that covered in the ADA? And uh, if a person, where, how does the ADA help with a person who may be losing their vision and their job kind of depends on, uh, you know, they may have to change how they do their job, like use um, speech or something. And the um, employer is not real happy about that. How would the ADA help with that? Okay, um, with Kaiser, you're talking about giving blood at a healthcare facility. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that's not effective communication. You can't tell um, whether your your number is up. It'd be very simple for somebody to uh, you know announce the number. So yeah, absolutely. That I think that's a violation of the ADA, and it's also a violation of the uh, <clears throat> healthcare rights law, which is part of the. Uh, Affordable Care Act, which applies to specifically to to the provision of healthcare uh, standards under, among other things, five hundred four of the Rehab Act. So yeah, I think that would be a, a violation, um, and they really should. I mean, it's so simple to to fix. In terms of your reasonable accommodation employment question, um, yeah, I mean it's. Uh, when your vision changes and you need uh, some like assistive technology or something, that's an accommodation. Or qualified reader, that's an accommodation. Uh, the only time uh, the reader wouldn't be an accommodation, I suppose, is if it was a very small employer. Um, but you know, you could you could get volunteers. There may be other ways to do it. But yes, the ADA uh, makes it unlawful for an employer to refuse or to fail to provide a reasonable accommodation unless the employer can prove it's an undue hardship and that burden is on the employer. So, yeah, it would certainly uh, require consideration of accommodation. Okay. You have... Okay, Tr Trav, Trav, you're allowed to talk. There he is. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I, got a, I got a few questions, but um, one of the things, and I was looking at your title of the, of the webinar... And one of the things that, that really made me hesitant uh, to uh, kind of enforce the ADA is I don't know how to do it. I, I tried to contact legal organizations that, that do it, and nobody responded to me. And um, so um, I, I don't know how much there is there a filing fee? If you, you do it right through the – do you do it on the Justice Department website? Is there a filing fee? Or, there's, a, um, no, there's, no fi there's no filing fee. Are you, are you talking about employment or – uh, state local this, government or a store? This this had something to do with the. Uh, uh, I was trying to get a, an accommodation. Of, I think they're reasonable accommodations. I I didn't even get permission to do them in an apartment building. So I was, I mean, in my apartment, uh, like I didn't even get permission to uh, to invest in a uh, in a thermostat uh, that was accessible. A talking thermostat. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get uh, permission to do a dishwasher uh, or anything. So I couldn't. Uh, oh, and the laundry uh, facility, I actually called the laundry people up um, 
the on-premises laundry. And um, I told them uh, that, hey, you know, you've got to have make your machines accessible for everybody. And mm-hmm. it was it was completely ignored. So, so I tried to contact the DRC, and nobody come like two or three times. Nobody contacted me back. So I was worried about the filing fees and the repercussions. Okay, there's, there's there's no filing fee, and uh, what you want to do is to think about okay. Well, What's this about? Okay, it's about your apartment. So that's housing. So housing is controlled by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. And you go to their website and you'd search for a place to, to file a complaint. And you can do it absolutely for free. Um, and it won't cost you any money. Now, I will tell you that when you make a complaint through the government, it takes them a heck of a long time. To investigate it. Um, I was appalled to learn when I was living in Minnesota that the local HUD office only had two investigators for the entire state of Minnesota. Um, so that gives you a sense of how, you know, how quickly uh, you'd have to get, uh, it would take to get an enforcement or get your complaint investigated. But it's free. Um, and I certainly also would cons- consider Going to your uh, state's local, and, and maybe you did this when you talked about DRC, your, your state's local protection and advocacy system, which is uh, there's always an agency in every state that represents people with disabilities, um, and they take complaints and can uh, file complaints and file lawsuits. They obviously get more complaints than they have ability to do, but I would certainly recommend that. Yep. Okay. You've got... Uh a 562 area code ending in 898. You're allowed to talk. Okay. Uh, okay. Five, okay six, can you hear me now? There you are. Yes. Okay. I came in late. Uh, I don't know if you're one of the gentlemen that was on the other day. Um, <laughs> okay. What's your well, name? What's your name? Uh, I'm Regina from Long Beach, California. Oh, My two questions are, since you're part of the ADA, do you have any um, connection with Global being a monopoly for access out here in L.A. County? And I guess the second question would be, if you do have any connection, why didn't you guys fight for us to have same-day service? Okay, I'm just a private person. I'm a retired lawyer. I did work for the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for about a bunch of years and was involved in working on the ADA and the ADA regulations and employment, but I had nothing to do with, um, is global paratransit or what is it? I don't know what it is. It's access, but to me it's, it's a monopoly. It's the only company we have. And they've been the one, the provider for, I mean, my goodness gracious, at least 30 years. They don't, you know, everyone says, let somebody else have it. Okay, well, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing in, in the ADA that, that would govern, you know, com- requiring competition between uh, vendors uh, to provide a service. Now, if their service is inadequate, um, there is... Uh, in materials that I wrote uh, for the transportation forum, and also uh, Ron Brooks has copy, um, a pretty extensive document put out by the Federal Transit Administration that sets out uh, in Chapter 8 in great detail all the service requirements that a provider of paratransit service has to meet in terms of how long the rides can be and how uh, much delay and how long you have to sit on the phone and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you think that their service is inadequate, whether it's because they're a monopoly or otherwise, I would look at that and then consider uh, filing a complaint with the Federal Transit Administration. Okay, Elizabeth Elizabeth Bowden, you're allowed to talk. All right. Um, My name is Elizabeth Bowden. I um, live in the state of Florida. Uh Um, We're ADA violation in terms of web access and program um, usability for the blind people, especially people that are employed by the state of Florida, is rampant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody's doing anything about it. 
So you're talking about as an employee, you can't uh, use the state's own website. Um, you can access m- many of them, but a lot of times when you get down to the actual agencies, there was a law that was passed in 2016 that said that uh, agencies had to, no, it was passed in 2005, that said that agencies were supposed to um, make all of their applications and, and, you know, work products, if you want to call them that, accessible by 2016. That mm-hmm. is not being enforced, and people are not um, being employed because of that. That's a state nobody. law you're talking about, this 2000? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, access to electronic information and technology, section mm-hmm. 282 of Florida statutes. Okay. Um, and so, but nobody is ever holding them to the fire about it. Um, I know of right now four or five organizations that don't, that aren't in compliance. And so, you know, when you, if you're a job seeker, if you're looking for an interview, you know, you get up to that point and then, no, um, and they say, um, one place I even went to said happily that they will never make their um, uh, programs accessible for people that use screen readers. But nobody does anything about it. Well, so, you, could, you, mean, could be instead, the, you could be the first one to do something about it. Well, I mean, okay, so I've filed um, two ADA complaints previously, mm-hmm. and it does take a long time. The other thing is, is that Florida, mm-hmm. or I know that EEOC people in our area are totally ignorant of um, accommodations that should be made. And the the lawyers who are in, you know, this area, I know mine, um, told me, she said, go ahead and file. They're going to file against you. So just wait it out until it's over, and then we can take care of them. Okay, so you you have a lawyer. So in that, I in did. that case, okay. I, that's over. But right, I, mean, I understand. I'm saying it's, it's so right. uh, laughable that, you know, we know that those people are idiots, and they don't, I mean, you know, I ask for accessible documents, and they thought, you know, that I was, you know, not, what are accessible documents? <laughs> and I said, you cannot use just, you know, there's a way to, to format your PDFs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and other, oh, really? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, mean, I, I, I get it. It's, EEOC, it's, um, it's discouraging. Yeah, and, Elizabeth, yeah, I think we, I mean, think we I get it, Elizabeth. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I don't. I don't have an. I don't have an answer for you. I mean, it's it's discouraging. Yeah, when, Chris. I mean, and that's a state law. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, people are filing complaints down there. Well, it's it, yeah, but it it, it's, it would also be uh, an accommodation yeah. issue under under Title One. And uh, one of the little wrinkles uh, when you're talking about state employment or local government employment is that you have to file a charge with the EEOC, and EEOC investigates it, but EEOC doesn't have any authority to file suit. They have to transfer the file to the U.S. Department of Justice. Only the U.S. Department of Justice can file the suit, and they they do occasionally. Yep. Uh, So, Trav, I'm going to skip past you because you've already had a turn. So, uh, Natasha Wilkins, you are allowed to talk. Okay. Now I'm unmuted. Um, Good evening, Natasha. Hi, I have a question, um, and forgive me, I kind of came on a little late if you've already addressed this, but I am actively seeking employment right now, uh-huh. and I've noticed that on a lot of the um, job descriptions and websites at the bottom, it'll have the little wording or the blurb for, you know, we do not discriminate against, you know, all of the protected mm-hmm. classes, and of course, disability is always listed there. Mm-hmm. Not just always wondered like how much stock can i really put into that is that something that they're putting there for legal purposes or are these employers who are you know legitimately seeking out um a more diverse uh pool of employees or candidates for employment where they are more open to someone who has a disability because i don't want to draw any assumptions that aren't really you know Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Realistic. So, yeah, so um, there are larger employers that have government contracts with the federal government, like they provide things for the Department of Defense or 
uh, or they, you know, provide other goods or services for the federal government. And they are obliged not just to hire people with disabilities, but to take affirmative action to hire them. And um, so, uh, you know, they're supposed to really be out in recruiting um, people with disabilities. So uh, if, if you can probably find out, uh, I mean, if it's a big company, uh, chances are uh, they're a government contractor. But you can, you can always call the Human Resources Department and say, hey, you have an affirmative action plan for folks with disabilities. And HR will know if they say, gee, I have no idea. Well, then they don't. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much everybody has a non-discrimination uh, tagline on the bottom of their application as well as in their employee handbooks. It's, uh, it, it's, essentially, it's essentially a requirement. Um, and uh, so it does, it's not a guarantee they're not going to discriminate. All right. Jo- Joanne, you're allowed to talk. Uh, Joanne, you can unmute. There she, there you are. Okay. Hi, Joanne. Uh, I have a question. Hi. Um, this is going to. Uh, in my county, I went to visit a friend of mine that was staying at, in a um, recreation park. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. They had no accessibility to the office, and when you went in the office, the step was not even a legal height. It was really high. So this was was this like a a trailer park? It was no. It was like well, yeah. You, you, it was a recreation for um, RV. They vehicles. also had a horse park there where they had horses, but it was more like a, a campground. Yeah, I don't know. Are they held to the same standards that they have to make their uh, things accessible? It's a good question. Was it a private campground or or like a it state was a, campground? I called the county. It said that uh, my girlfriend said it was the county, and I called and left them a message, but never heard back from them. And, well, and this has been almost a year, and it's still eating at me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I understand. So um, it's a it's a program or activity that the county is running this, this camp, and uh, yeah, I would say that they should make it at least uh, basically uh, accessible. Uh, and there's standards for doing that for existing buildings. Um, you know, they have to remove barriers. So it could include putting in a ramp in the office and that kind of thing. So, yes, I would say that's that's probably a violation um, because it's a county. Now, if it were, were not a county, then I don't think it would be covered by the ADA. But right. um, because ADA doesn't deal with housing, um, and I'm not sure it would be a public accommodation, but I'd have to know more about it. That's much more factually intense. Charlene, California, you've been going up and down and up and down to that hand. You are now allowed to talk. <laughs> Charlene, you can unmute. Uh, Charlene, you should. There you go. There you go. Nope. Charlene, you should have a button on your uh Screen to tell you to unmute. Charlene going once. Charlene going twice. I guess we're not going to hear from Charlene. Okay, so do that. Okay. 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 Now you. Okay, you have uh, another hand. You have uh, no other hands. Uh, no other new people up. So Sheila Gun Cushman's hand is up. Is back up. You are allowed to talk, Sheila. Hey there. Um, Hello again, Sheila. About the the scenario I gave you earlier, would Title Three have anything to do with it? Thanks. I'm sorry. You got to remind me what your scenario is because I've talked to a bunch of people. The one, the one about uh, Dell, a private national multinational corporation, not making things such that if you can't read a printed sticker, you can actually still get service. Yeah. um, Well. Uh, I don't, I don't think so because, uh, it's, it, it's not like, it, it's not like a, uh, a policy, you know, their devices, the, the ADA doesn't apply to devices. So for example, you know, you buy a computer, um, the ADA doesn't govern the, the thing that you buy in the store. So the thing you buy in the store doesn't have to be accessible to people that have vision impairments. 
Um, unfortunately, the ADA just doesn't address uh, that. Um, now, I think there's a push to get that addressed in, in other ways. Uh, and sometimes, uh, in a, I mean, if you're talking about your personal computer, um, then, again, the provision I talked to at the beginning about not providing personal services uh, or covering personal use items, that would be like your, your computer. It's not, it's not going to address it. I'm sorry. All right, Lori Scharf, you're allowed to talk. Hi, sorry about that. Um, Hi there. So I just, um, regarding readers and employment, um, <laughs> can you maybe, Chris, discuss a little about, I have come across clients of mine who think it's accessible, acceptable to require that other employees read material to them or other employees fill out paperwork. Um, and I do know somebody who actually ended up losing her job because she thought it was her supervisor's responsibility to do her paperwork. <laughs> but so I just was wondering if you could talk a little about, um, you know, accommodations versus job responsibilities. Sure. So um, uh, I think the, the employer... Uh, has an obligation to provide <clears throat> uh, you with someone. If, if doing the essential functions of your job require, requires reading um, and there's no other way to deal with it in terms of assistive technology, which today probably there is, the, the employer could, could provide some assistive technology probably that could do the, do, do the reading. But setting that issue aside, if that didn't exist, then, yeah, they'd have to consider somehow of, of providing... Uh, the uh, employee with the reader, but the employee is not entitled to interrupt other employees who are, have their own jobs to do um, to get them to help out. Um, and that would be considered not reasonable. It wouldn't, you wouldn't even get that new hardship. It just wouldn't be reasonable because you're, you're really interfering with other people's work. So I, I think your, your clients were off base on that, but they certainly... Uh, should have been able to get some assistance from the employer to read what they had to read, whether it was in the form of technology or, or a person. Chris, you have no more hands at this point. Well, I guess I bored the hell out of everybody. Uh, <laughs> oh, we, well, we got one. Okay. You got one more. Uh, Randy, you are allowed to talk. Friday. Oh, now you got three more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Randy, you are allowed to talk. Okay, there we go. I didn't see the pop-up at first. Uh, it, 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 didn't, it didn't take the first time. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. No problem. No problem. Okay. So you blame can it, blame it on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, hang on. Let me, there we go. My phone wants to yap in my ears. All right. So, I came in kind of at the end of your shopping thing as far as assistance. Mm -hmm. And, Chris, I know you from Minnesota. So, uh, right. it's Randy from Minnesota. What is the solution? Uh, you know, for the most part, I would say that any store I go into here, it's, it's Minnesota nice. You know, they're quite nice about helping me, but mm -hmm. I live alone. And so if a store doesn't provide that, what are my options? I don't have, you know, my friends have their own lives. So what is kind of a, an option, you know, if I still want to go into a physical store, I don't want to use shipped. I don't want to use an app. I don't want to, you know, a lot of those apps don't take uh, food stamps. So just wondering what the solution is or an idea. Um, Cause that's, that's shocking to me. I didn't know that they weren't allowed to provide that. So no, it's not that they're new. not allowed to, they can volunteer. They're not required. They're, they're not, not required. required I should say they're not required yeah. is what I meant to say. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. Well, uh, you know, if, if you don't want to use uh, Instacart or shift or one of those, then, uh, you know, I don't know what else you could do other than maybe use Be My Eyes. Kind of SOL, huh? All right. Well, that's good to know. Like I said, for the most part where I live here, people are Minnesota nice, pretty willing and able to help out. But I didn't know it wasn't uh, required. So that's what I learned tonight. So Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a, a smartphone? I do. Oh, you could try Be My Eyes. For Ira. Yeah. Well, for Ira, Ira, yeah, yeah. But Ira requires... You know, it's Cyber requires subscription. Yeah, and you're not going to get so. you're not going to get your shopping done in five minutes. Uh, no, <laughs> no, free. and they just changed their five minute policy. So I, I know that. It, so. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I try being my eyes. That's what I do. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thanks. Okay. Charlene, uh, coming back to you. You are now allowed to talk. 
Charlene, California, you need you. Uh, um, Charlene, you should have a button on your app to, to unmute. Um, Charlene going once. Charlene going twice. Uh, Charlene, I'm sorry, Charlene, you're you're, you're you must be having some trouble finding the yeah. unmute button. I got it unmuted. Uh, there it. you go. See, I know if we gave you a minute, you'd do it. <laughs> What's really oh. fun is my phone is raising my its hand on its own. Um, <laughs> one of the things, one of the issues that I find with the ADA is it's all complaint driven. A lot of things, if you are in violations, it's not individually. You know, it doesn't take an individual with a complaint to go through a whole process. You can just say, like a fire um, code violation, you know, it could be just taken care of. Why? Is there any way the ADA is ever going to get up to that kind of a point? Um, the, the law that gets to that point is not, the, is not the ADA. The ADA, you're quite correct, that it is complaint-driven. Uh, and that's true for uh, most civil rights laws. Now, if you're talking about uh, agencies that give out money, um, and whether you're talking about the Department of Transportation, the Federal Highway Administration that gives out hundreds of millions of dollars to jurisdictions, in theory, all right, they are supposed to conduct what are called compliance reviews, where they go out and they're supposed to go and visit the site and make sure that they, uh, the people that are getting the money are complying with Section 504. Um, and, you know, the, some agencies do compliance reviews, but um, it, it's not something you can make an agency do. Um, it, in fact, they're most likely to do it as a result of complaints, frankly. Uh, they get enough complaints, they say, geez, you know, this... This agency is a real problem. We better go check them out. Um, and, for example, the Department of Justice does that. They have something called Project Civic Access. And in Project Civic Access, they will go into a city or a county with a whole bunch of investigators, and they'll kind of check the place out uh, about accessibility and, uh, and standards and the like. Um, and those uh, activities uh, are triggered by complaints. Um, so uh, the Department of Justice might come in and say to a, a police department, uh, you know, you're not set up to provide interpreters for deaf people who are arrested. You have to, you have to set up a program with the interpreter service to provide interpreters within so many hours of somebody who's deaf being arrested. Um, even if that's not even if that's not a particular complaint, that that could come up in a in a project civic access uh, evaluation. So the best thing to do is to make complaints and see whether you can trigger this broader compliance review. And and so when you make a complaint, um, if the entity is one that gets uh, federal money, and well, so many entities do, I would make the complaint not only under the ADA but also under Section five hundred four. Crav, you are now allowed to talk. <coughs> Who's allowed to talk? Trav. They, oh. he, they were they were there before, but that was the right. only, it was the only hand up. There you are. Hi, hi. Yeah, I. Uh, th thanks a lot for uh, for your uh, very assuring answer from before um, that there is no cost involved. I I, I have a, another concern. Um, it seems like um, private institutions, whether they're whether they uh, have to or not. Um, they always have like very accessible websites, web forms that are easy to easy to fill out for anybody, mm -hmm. whether you're whether you're blind or what. And um, it seems like the very people who are supposed to be um, supporting the ADA, like county agencies, um, the county, uh, the state, they their website might be accessible, but like you said, all their stuff is on PDF, and they expect you to fill out form. Even their ADA accommodation forms are not in a web form, which would be easy mm -hmm. to use, mm -hmm. but they're they're in a PDF, which is hard to fill out. So right. is there an easy? And then so many employers do that too. Like they're trying to um, purposely um, make sure that that candidates who use screen readers can't fill out their application or on time or whatever. No, I don't think it's I don't think it's purposeful. They're just ignorant. 
I mean, yeah. you know, the people, you know, people don't come in, into contact with a lot of blind and visually impaired people as compared to people who are hearing impaired or, or use wheelchairs. We're, we're considered pretty rare birds, and the public is pretty ignorant about uh, what kinds of things we can do because they seem to assume we can't do anything, um, and, and how we go about doing things. So I don't think it's intentional. I just think it's ignorant. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, if you're talking about um, state or local government, uh, I would, I, I think your your best, well, you get two ways of doing it. One is a political way and one is a <laughs> legal way. And the legal way is to file a complaint with the Department of Justice um, or, or maybe go through, the, they have to have an ADA ombudsman. You can try contacting the ADA ombudsman. Um, that's a requirement under Title II. Um, and, but you can also do things like go to go to the city council or the I don't know what level of government you're talking about, or go to the news media and say, hey, you know, this is a this is a good story about how you know this isn't the way this is supposed to work. And if you can get some news coverage, I've often found that's the that's the fastest way to get change because nobody likes to be embarrassed in the press. Okay, we're at 25 after the hour, and David Kingsbury is uh, one hand up, and David, you're allowed to talk. David, you can unmute. David Kingsbury. Oh, David. There, I found the button, I think. There you, you got go. it. You, you got it now. <laughs> okay, thank Good you. Good evening, David. Good evening. Um, so in the media, of course, there, there, there are lots of articles about um, abuse of the ADA, you know, individuals yeah, who, unfortunately, that's who, true. Who, yeah. who put out like 50 lawsuits in one day or something like that. But I've also mm-hmm. heard that those, the, the concentration of those are just in a few states. I think uh, New York and California are, are two of those. And I've never entirely understood why. Apparently there's something going on in their state laws that allow this. Can, can you say a little bit um, sure. Sure. why that is? Um, yeah, um, you're talking about uh, uh, lawsuits that are against uh, public accommodations, hotels, restaurants, uh, shoe stores, et cetera, et cetera. And um, those suits tend to be filed in, in states where there's, a, there's also a state disability non-discrimination law. And where the state law prohibits disability discrimination by public accommodation and provides for damages if you win, you don't get damages under the ADA in a suit against the public accommodation. The only way you can get damages is if the Department of Justice files suit uh, as a result of your complaint. They can ask for damages for the victim, and they can also get a fine imposed. But an individual suit on public accommodations under the ADA, there are, are no damages. So where there's a state law that can provide damages, that's where uh, you know people are going to make those claims in those states so they can try to get damages, as, basically as a leverage for, for settling for money as well as attorney's fees. Chris, we're at 28 after the hour, and uh, you have no hands up. So uh... Well, listen, I want to thank everybody for, for hanging around, and um, I appreciate everybody's interest in the ADA. And uh, thank you, Ray, for, for your great assistance. I'm, I'm just happier than heck that I don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. So have a good, have a good evening, anyone. And, and thanks again, Ray. Take care. Okay. You are, you're welcome. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. Nicely done there, Ray.